we're here um, to do a Star Wars podcast, yes? Indeed we are. Uh, because Jack Razor, a.k.a. Nate Barrett... Who is not here. Who is not here, decided he wanted to do a Star Wars podcast. But, as Jim has mentioned, we are all here. Well, not all, but Mike, Jim, and myself are here, and Nate is nowhere to be found. It so. being a Saturday morning... He said he could make this time. Perhaps not entirely surprising. Not not overly surprising, honestly. <laughs> um, so, we're here. Uh, what we, Jim, do you want to announce the name? Because you came up with it. Uh, the Jack Razorcrest? Yes. A Star Wars Podcast. Yes. So we are going to be Jack Razorcrest, a Star Wars Podcast. Uh, I think we're going to try and do this about once a month. Um, probably going to shoot for like a Friday night because Nate is much more coherent at night. <laughs> and then Matt, we'll Matt, Matt will be able to join us. That Craig be should good. be able to join us if he wants to. I'm sure we'll get some other of our Star Wars friends on here. Uh, so here basically is what it is. So we're all members of either the 501st or Rebel Legion. Um, or both. Or both. Or droid builders. Mm -hmm. um, Jim has many droids. I'm working on one. Uh, I'm an honorary droid builder, actually. Oh, so you're not a mine actually move around. I see. Well, I guess I'll be honorary too because mine's not going to move I, either. I actually got my honorary um, title because I did the first ever Do. Do. Yep, Fandral mm -hmm. Do. Yep. So I'm a Tuscan Raider. Um, Jim, I primarily do Han Solo, but I also have some uh, 501st costumes: um, Imperial Officer, Darth Nihilus, Admiral Lazel. Uh, uh, yep, uh, Imperial Officer as Admiral Ozzel specifically. Yes. Uh, Mike. Tuscan Raider. Yeah, so two Tuscans in the room. Uh, when Nate gets here, he is a Stormtrooper. Yep. And he has a Kylo Ren that he is doing nothing with at the moment. <laughs> So. I think we should probably say that uh, because of our affiliation that the yes. views expressed on this podcast are not necessarily those of Disney, Lucasfilm, uh, the Rebel Legion, the 501st Legion, or any other Star Wars organization. Yes, they are strictly ours, and we'll probably say some dumb shit. So. And we'll jealously guard our opinions, right? Absolutely. So, I think uh, I think we'll talk until Nate gets here, and, and then Nate can introduce himself, but I know, I think... It, Talking costuming is a good idea for us because I don't think there's a whole lot of content out there. Yeah. But when Jim and I were discussing this earlier, he, he came into the, you know, I really think we need to talk about the toxic fan base. Yeah, I, I, I think it's um, it's an important topic, especially now that there's new Star Wars content out there, right, with the, the Book of Boba Fett. And um, I think there's a lot of things that lead to um, Star Wars fans in particular, but just generally um, people who who seem to love to hate the things that they claim to love, right? And um, so that's what that's why when I refer to toxic uh, to, to you know, toxic fandom, that's what I that's what I'm talking about. It's people that go on social media and complain that things, whether it be Star Wars or any other franchise or really anything in general. I was you know, talking to um, uh, my son earlier today, and he said some of the worst toxic fans are people who like fish. <laughs> because he's you know he, he he has you know he has he has some interesting pets and he said you go out and read and you know go go out on a facebook group or a forum somewhere and start to ask questions and he said and, and, and from his perspective it's you know just people who are just mean and unwilling to be helpful and things like that in these communities and, and i think we see all of that in the star wars fan base right um whether it's you know there's some great groups out there some great fans 
uh, people who are really supportive, especially in, in our communities where we're you know building uh, props and making costumes and things like that. There's some people who are incredibly supportive, and there are people who are just quite frankly total jerks, total a holes, right? And and um, but then beyond that, I think that there's just a there's there's an entire group of people that they tend to I think lean more toward you know our age group, us being you know in our in our 40s, uh, me close to 50, people who kind of grew up with you know, being Star Wars fans who now just seem to not be able to find any value and, and then in, in, the, in the new content and are, you know, vocal about it, right? To the point where, you, you know, uh, going after some of the actors, like the horrible way that Kelly Marie Tran was treated after um, uh, uh, Rise, West Jedi, Jedi and, the Rise, yeah. and the Rise of Skywalker and, you know, just being bullied. Ahmed, Ahmed Best. You know, Ahmed Best. Because he was Jar Jar, Jar Jar Binks. And it's just, um, and I think there's a lot of a lot of things that lead to that. And uh, it's it's not it's not um, helpful, right? It's not helpful for our, for for uh, the franchise. It's not helpful for, for the fans themselves. And it's, it's, just, it's an unfortunate byproduct, I think, of, uh, you know, all opinions being created equal. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think another thing, you and I were talking on the way back from my tattoo the other day and we were discussing specifically how everybody hated on Jar Jar and everybody hated on you know all these things that are built for kids because let's face it Lucas the built Ewoks. this yeah mm -hmm. Lucas built this universe for children this is mm -hmm. a children's thing and people our age are all pissed off because uh, Jar Jar is stupid yeah but they don't remember that you know People that were in their teens and twenties thought Ewoks were stupid. Yep. Whereas you know, Empire co or Return. Return comes out, and I'm like six, yep. and I loved Ewoks because I'm six. Yep. And who doesn't exactly. love a cuddly little murder bear? <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's just there's a lot of that out there. I mean, you know, luckily with the eclectic group we will have that joins us, you know, we we span from. We'll probably have some 50-year-olds on here all the way down to, you know, late 20s, mid-20s. I mean, if, if we have Ray Ray on, she's like 25. Right. You know, if we have my Star Wars son, Colin, on, he's 24. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That means 18, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that I, I think what I, what I see, and again, it's mostly, I think, with the older older fans, but some of the younger ones as well, I, I think it's really um, people put a, pour a lot of their expectations, a lot of even sometimes in some cases their own identities into into these franchises, mm -hmm. and and then unfortunately, um, you know, we, we were all around for the, the the big gap, right, which was between Return of the Jedi and the Phantom Menace, sixteen year gap. A lot of people had a lot of time to think about, you know, what they expected Star Wars to have been. Um, a lot of unmet expectations, and then mm -hmm. instead of going to the sequels, they went back to the prequels, and I think just a, a lot of people brought a lot of expectations and a lot of uh, uh, baggage, and, and 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 a lot of it seems to me with the toxic fandom seems to be sort of um, uh, you know unfulfilled wishes or unfulfilled expectations, and I think the fewer expectations people go into, the happier they would be. But not, now you just got folks who think this is what Star Wars is or should have been. It's not, you know, they want to blame Disney, they want to blame Kathleen Kennedy, they want to blame, you know, anybody. Um, and, and I think, you know, if you really, truly do want to go back to loving Star Wars and the newer material, you have to look in the mirror first. Well, you know, time and time again, I keep going back to all of these people that are angry about the prequels and angry about the um, last three movies. I went from 83 to 99 with no new Star Wars movies, so I had to, you know consume other things Star Wars. So, you know, I played a lot of the games. Mm -hmm. I, I played the hell out of 
X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. I thought that was just one of the was, greatest games. Yeah. I even bought a flight yoke for the computer because I wanted <laughs> I wanted to fly an X-Wing and a TIE Fighter. And, you know, I was I was excited when Episode 1 came out. I really went in with no expectations. Now, is it one of my favorite movies? No, it's not one of my favorite movies. But it's Star Wars. If it's on, I'll watch it. Yep, I agree. And I think that, again, the way I try to manage this, and I've never been disappointed with, well, there's some Star Wars content, I would say. I can't say I've never been disappointed, but um, never hated anything, certainly. And and only been disappointed with certain aspects of of some of the content. But again, first of all, it's not, you know, it's not our franchise. I mean, I I realize that we're the fans, right? But sometimes I just want to scream at these people, you know, if you don't like it, go start your own billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar entertainment industry and um and uh you know and and buy the franchise and do it your way right because i i think it's to the point where um you know as 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 fans we 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 may have certain expectations but the reason i think i've never really truly been disappointed um or really felt that my expectations weren't met is i try to go into each new experience having no expectations i was five years old and I, I i'm old enough to, to to remember that star wars was star wars and what i mean by that is when the when what we now call a new hope came out it was just star wars and i mm-hmm. saw that when i was five years old fell in love with it um and i've tried to look you know since becoming an adult at least and and with the prequel and sequel trilogies and now the the you know the the television shows i've tried to look at everything through the eyes of that five-year-old and I and I, I just you know no expectations. Let's just go in. Let's see what the story is. Let's see what happens with the characters. Have I been happy with everything? No, but I've loved everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it's uh, uh and and like you were saying, it's it's the, it, it's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I, I remember mm-hmm. I I got into an argument with my cousin Danny, and now Danny's twenty one, so he's young. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Empire for me, when I saw it in the theater, that that shook me. Mm-hmm. Because not only is Han Solo frozen and we don't know if he's dying, which obviously Harrison wanted to die, which to me is <laughs> stupid. Um, but Vader says, I am your father. And I, we left that. I remember my mom and my grandma going, what do you think? And I'm like, no, he's lying. <laughs> and I had to wait three years to find out what the hell happened. Right. And those three years sucked. Because, I mean, I had fun doing other shit, but I, in the back of my mind it was always, <laughs> is Darth Vader really Luke's father? Yep. And he's like, well, I don't see why that's a big deal. I'm like, yeah, you don't, because five minutes after you got done with Empire Strikes Back, you threw in Return of the Jedi. You waited five yeah, minutes. Yeah. I waited three yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, it was a different experience for us. It was. For sure, growing up with that, right? And, um, again, I was you know five when the first movie came out. And so, you know, mm-hmm. eagerly awaited the Empire Strikes Back, like nothing anyone had really ever seen before. No. First of all, the the you know, in the original, it was, it was the, the Emperor was um, it was a different actor, different different voice actor mm-hmm. than Ian McDermott. So if you if you've kind of uh, are only familiar with the sort of the remade, updated special edition versions, um, whatever you know, take that we're currently on, it, that was a different experience. Very, you know, very it was it was it was dark. It was scary. I was at the time what eight years old, um, and it was it was dark. The bad guys won at the end, or at least it seemed that way. And um, you know, as different as Star Wars was from typical sci-fi from the you know fifties and sixties, and just a, a, as amazing as that was, Empire Strikes Back was yet still another departure from that. And uh, and then you know, Return of the Jedi was yet still a different experience, mm-hmm. um, more intended more for kids, right? In fact, I think at the time Lucas. 
did an interview and he said this is a this is a popcorn movie and and he really made it clear that it was intended for for children and I just and again I, I just think that um, getting back to the you know the idea of, of the toxic fan base it, it all comes back to people you know having expectations what they think this franchise that they really don't have any ownership of um, what it what it is and what it should be and um, from you know my own perspective the, the the fewer expectations I have in terms of what I think things should be the happier I am well and even looking at like book of all this so spoilers <laughs> uh, I, I'm really enjoying Book of Boba, and I, I won't talk too much about the most recent episode, because it just came out on Wednesday, so I, I'm, I, I'll avoid that. But everybody's like, I, I hate Boba, he's geriatric. Okay. First off, it's it's a TV show, so um, and it's not necessarily made for us. Right. Right. So, like Jim, I, I went in with very little expectations. I, I just wanted to see what happened. So Boba Fett was stuck in the Sarlacc pit for we don't know how long, yep. and he's trying to heal. I get it. He's not as strong as he used to be. I get it. Because he went through trauma. I mean, we were discussing that before yep. we hit record, weren't we, Joe? Absolutely. Yeah, I think Boba Fett is a person who um, had a certain you know outlook on the on the universe. Right? He was much like his dad. I, I think he even says at some point, um, you know, I'm just a a man trying to, a simple man trying to make my way through the universe. I think that was a something he said uh, in the Mandalorian, and um, he had a certain outlook. You know, he was he was basically a, a gun for hire. He was muscle. He was you know a bounty hunter, and I think this was a transformative experience for him. He was out from under Jabba's thumb because Jabba's you know um, in pieces lying around the the, the sands of Tatooine uh, near the Dune Sea, and he. Um, decided you know through the through the trauma of of being sort of abandoned and going through the experience in the sarlacc that and and then you know the whole experience that he's had with the with with his rescue um he's a different person mm-hmm. and he's trying to figure out who he is and, and what he wants to be and, and he's trying to influence his you know his corner of the world and i think that that's a, a process that people who go through trauma you know they have to rebuild they have to rebuild themselves and and any significant trauma person if they truly deal with it, um, they come out different on the other side of it. And I think that's what we're seeing. And, and again, because he's not a two-dimensional character that someone has tattooed on their, you know, on their bicep, that that's not how he's being portrayed. It's all wrong and it's bad and it's horrible. And, and this is a crappy show and Dave Filoni and John Favreau, who people loved for the, what they did for all, everything, including the, the, the Mandalorian are now the enemy. Right. And, and again, that's, that's just, uh, I think it's people bringing too much of their own baggage into the into the franchise. I don't know why they're mad at John Favreau. Why what? is that? Because Cutter is a tool. Cutter is a tool. <laughs> so, um, I, first off, I want to give a shout out to the people listening. I know Christy's on. A couple other people I see are on. So, if you have questions, let us know. We're going to talk costuming here in a little bit. Um, so, I, I do a, another podcast called Bucks and Brews. And Mike, when you listen to Tuesday's episode with the Great Jack Razor. I made a joke literally just for you, for one person yes. in the audience. <laughs> I will listen. So I'm, I'm just going to tell you what it is. You'll okay. still get a kick out of it. So uh, Jack had his work ripped off by a band, and we did not name the band. Yep. So I continually named the band. I'm like, and I just want to say the Rolling Stones should really pay Jack <laughs> Razor for his <laughs> art. And I just kept coming up with bands. One of them was specifically for you. Mata Hoople. <laughs> and Nick 
and Jack both looked at me and they're like, <laughs> what? what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, it's a band. Uh, they were inspired by David Bowie. They sang All the Young Dudes and they're like... A David Bowie written song. Yes. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, don't worry, Mike does. And it goes, that's great. Now you're making jokes for one person in the audience. <laughs> So that that will happen here. Hi, Christy. I see you said hi to us. Um, if you if any of you have questions, hi, please let us know. Uh, one thing I love about Bulba, and I also loved about the Mandalorian, which not, neither of you are going to be surprised by. Tuscan Raiders, There's lots of Tuscan Raiders. Yep. <laughs> I love Tuscans. They've given Tuscans way more depth than they used to have. Yeah. Um, Craig, who was. I'm going to say he was the first Tuscan Raider in West Michigan in the 501st. I don't know if that's true, but that's my story, so I'm sticking to it. Um, he messaged me after the first episode of Boba, and he's like, did you watch it? Nope, haven't got a chance yet. And then he messages me later in the day after I said I watched it, and he goes, I think I need to do a new Tuscan, because he hasn't wore his Tuscan in years. Yeah. So he's thinking about that's being awesome. a Tuscan again. That's great. Yeah, I really liked what they've done with the, um, you know, they're not two-dimensional or or even one-dimensional characters anymore. No. They've gotten the depth. We're seeing their culture. We're seeing, you know, yeah. um, who they are as a, as a, um, I guess, you know, uh, uh, focused specifically on one tribe, but sort of who they are as a people and who, yeah. and who this particular tribe is and sort of how they, uh, you know, go about their, their lives. And it's really fascinating, and, and I, I've really enjoyed it a lot. But, and it's only when you get back, like, you know, you're talking about, like, fans getting upset about, things mm -hmm. like i go back into like when they re-released and you mentioned it all the first special you know, editions four, the yeah. special editions of four through six yep and they just made changes yep. and some of them were some of changes them? like greedo mm -hmm. shooting first yeah yes when han shot first or changing the song at the end of return yep. yeah yeah. I, I'm sorry. If it's not Yub Nub, it's just stupid. Just go back to the Ewok song. It was perfect. Yep. But doesn't make you hate Star Wars. It doesn't make me hate Star Wars. And there are some things they added that was great. I yeah. thought the the more uh, widened section of the Wampa. I thought that was great. Yeah. yeah. Because you got basically got two shots of the Wampa in the original Empire Strikes Back, mm -hmm. and now you see him really, you know, yeah. eating and. That's bloody a, it's a real thing yeah, yeah. It, it's something to actually be afraid of right yeah i really enjoyed the han solo scene of course um with java, java. yep and uh, the way that they kind of um worked that because of, yeah you know java turned out to be a whole different creature than he what did. had originally been envisioned and um it originally it was just it was a it was going to be humanoid and the character that was standing in for him was just you know it was a person dressed in fur and han walked behind him mm -hmm. and then they had to deal with Jabba having this tail, and I thought that was quite clever, if a little bit unrealistic. But again, you know, it was it was um, it was fun. Yeah, because that's not something yeah. that showed up at all in the yeah. original movies. Exactly. Was why there was any, you know, you knew that he was running from Jabba, yeah. but you didn't know why. Exactly. And maybe they'll, you know, do another like, you know, second solo story or whatever to explain bring that, that into something to, you know, even get more backstory on that. Well, that's the other thing that drives me nuts. So everybody's like, well, they're saturating the market. Too many TV shows. You put it, Star Wars on it, I'm buying it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. My wife gets mad at me all the time because if it's superheroes or Star Wars and it's in a store, I'm buying it. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what it is. I'm buying it. And, I mean, and, and you talked about you know how it was shocking with Empire where at the end the bad guy wins and you're yeah, left mm -hmm. hanging. But, I mean, that's opened up so much. I mean, you look at other things. I mean... At the end of 
Avengers Infinity War, yep. the bad guy watcher. Sure. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, and, and, and looking at that, too, back then, there were not a lot of sequels no. right. that were could even come close to living up to the original. And Empire blew A New Hope away. It just blew it away. Mm-hmm. It is universally the most beloved Star Wars movie, the highest critically acclaimed mm-hmm. Star Wars movie. There is nothing that touches Empire because the story is so in-depth. And like you said, the bad guy won. I think with, I would argue that Star Wars, because it was so groundbreaking in terms of special effects, I mean, the, the story was, it, it, for, those, for folks who are unaware of it, the story of Star Wars is really, especially the, the original, you know, just A New Hope, um, it's it's the King Arthur legend, right, mm-hmm. retold, much like Harry Potter is. Harry mm-hmm. Potter's retelling of the King Arthur legend as well. So it's, it's these sort of ancient storytelling tropes that they're using. But it's the way they told the story, right? It was the special effects. It was, mm-hmm. and, and not just the special effects, but it was a universe, a, a galaxy, if you will, that was lived in that you could relate to. It wasn't all sh- like S- S- Flash Gordon and things like that. You know, those serials going back into the 30s and 40s and 50s that were all everything was all shiny and stuff like that. In fact, if you look at Ralph McQuarrie's original concept art, it, they basically used that. But mm-hmm. but George Lucas, you know, and, and I'm not quoting directly, but, but he said, no, we need to make that dirty. You know, we need to mm-hmm. make it look lived in, right? And just the, the amazing way they took real-world objects and made them, you know, seem like they were alien, um, that's what really got me, like, drawn into it later. Right? I mean, initially, again, I, I was five years old. It was all about the lightsabers and the good guys and the bad guys. But things did, you know, quickly. And starting with The Empire Strikes Back became you know, we started to see some sort of anti-heroes, right? The redemption of Darth Vader and that we get in, in Return of the Jedi. And now we're at a point where we've got characters that are morally ambiguous. Um, and they're, you know, they've got maybe their own morality, but the, it's not a shared, you know, universal mm-hmm. morality. And those to me are, you know, much, much more interesting characters, right? And, oh, then, and, then, and then seeing that sort of play out in kind of the space western concept is just i i, I just love a everything lot about of it. different genres the anti-hero mm-hmm. is an interesting yep. character everybody wants to be the bad guy that is a little bit good right or the good guy is a little bit bad or that right well you know and it's funny because i had to write about star well i didn't have to i wrote about star wars this week in my college course <laughs> and uh you know we had to talk about something in popular culture and the history behind it and what it drew from basically and I talked about, you know, drawing from Shaolin, Shaolin monks and Japanese samurai because, you know, mm-hmm. that's really what the Jedi are based on. Yeah. You know, they're, they're samurai. Yeah. And I remember talking to Christy about that and she goes, I didn't know that, but it totally makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, it does. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and not only that, not only did, did Lucas draw on the, a lot of mythology, right? So it's basically like a... a, a samurai sort of eastern culture retelling of the arthurian legend which is, yeah. is itself a pretty yeah. universal trope right i mean it's, yeah. it's the you know the love triangle it's the i mean yeah, it's yeah, been, all that that's been around since yeah you know the you know before the common era oh, yeah. exactly with the greeks and some of yep. the greek tragedies and Indeed, stuff like yeah. that that were written and, and even in, the, in the eastern traditions as yeah. well right yeah and so but the other thing that I, I i loved about it is that he used eastern storytelling techniques and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why you know people got so upset kind of getting back to the toxic fan base a little bit people got so upset at um uh the, the, when the force awakens came out oh this that's just they're just retelling star wars yeah exactly that's the whole idea of this sort of ring 
storytelling technique that, that's used more in the Eastern tradition where you, you, you essentially use the same material, but then there's a twist on it, right? In this case, we've got a female protagonist. Mm -hmm. um, she's um, abandoned, completely abandoned. She's not just orphaned, and we later find out isn't really orphaned, but, yeah. um, but she's just you know, completely abandoned. And so it's, it's often the same story told a generation later, yeah. told, you know, different characters kind of thing. Something they're also using um, that's being used or was being used recently in the, in the television version of Fargo. Same kind of idea, right? Same, they're telling multi-generational stories that are similar but have, that have these twists. So it's very predictable. And J.J. Abrams was really paying you know, homage to Lucas in doing that. And then we saw that, um, that Ryan Johnson kind of tried to break that, literally tried to break, that, that break the ring, but mm -hmm. then they, and then they brought it back. And, and, and then so many people were so, so, so upset with, with how things turned out with Rise of Skywalker. But that's how you end the ring story. Yeah. Unless there are going to be more... You have to, you sort of are, you know, you bring in the, the original bad guy or some incarnation of him, and that's mm -hmm. what we saw in Palpatine. And, you know, it, and, and it, was a, it was a very, 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 I don't want to say predictable, but a very uh, much expected, and I, I, I'm trying to not use that term as well, um, ending, right? Is the, the epic battle, you had, you know, sort of the final battle, you had the, the person, um, and, and being the embodiment of their entire, in this case, Jedi religion mm -hmm. and Rey and um, redemption of, you know, of, of Kylo Ren and yeah, all that. Yep. Very, the way we had the redemption of Darth Vader and mm -hmm. Return of the Jedi is very, very, very much in line with Lucas's original storytelling methods, and people hated it. And I think, and, and I think in that case, people hated it because they didn't understand it. Well, and, uh, you know, I look, I look at Rise as it needed to do one thing for me. It needed to give me a good ending to Han, Leia, Luke, <laughs> yep. Chewie, the that droids. Point. He was, but at least he came back, you know, yeah. I guess as a Force ghost, technically. Yeah. Well, I, no, I think, yes, I think it was Kylo. Uh, Kylo imagined him. Well, and yeah, I'm yeah. fine with that because he yep. was there and I yep. was happy yep. and, and things, you know, there was closure there for me. I really needed closure yep. with the three of them. And with Carrie, you know, being dead, mm -hmm. it was hard to close that loop because she was going to be so important in episode nine mm -hmm. and yeah. you know nate and i talked about the fan edit that was done so you know at the end when ray's fighting palpatine she hears all the force ghosts yeah. and they did a fan edit of that which actually put the force ghosts behind her yeah. that would have been a better ending yeah, that was yeah i thought that was pretty amazing and, and and i still look back at that and go why didn't they do that right. that would have been awesome right but again, you know, getting back to the sort of you know samurai tradition, mm -hmm. and in many of those stories, the samurai sort of comes to embody all of the the Shinto religion yep. or the you know the Bushido code or whatever mm -hmm. it is, and it, whether they're physically embodying you know their ancestors, it gets back to that whole idea of you know in, uh, the, sort of the Eastern. Um, yeah, you're basically yeah. carrying all your previous generations exactly. with you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so in that sense, I thought that was well done. But I did like that fan edit. That was quite amazing. Yeah, I thought it was, yeah. too. So we've talked a little bit about that. Now, uh, let's let's get into costuming a little bit. I don't think that's something that's really covered a whole lot out there. Because I know with us being in the club, the number one question we're asked all, all the time, time is, can, can we, we buy, buy those costumes? <laughs> can we buy those helmets, which we refer to as buckets? Um, and, and the answer is no. Or yes. Yeah. You can, technically, you can if you know where to go because we always have members that are deciding, hey, I really don't want to do this anymore. This should go to somebody. And, and we have forums that, you know, they'll put that stuff up for sale. So, case in point, I don't make things, okay? I can make some small things, but on a grand scale, that's not my deal. So, 
We had found a Tuscan that was approximately my size. My wife reached out to him, and I bought his costume because he didn't want it. He, he had three other costumes. He didn't wear it enough. He's like, I just need to get rid of this. Uh, when Mike and I were hanging out one day, I talked about he had come to help at a small con, and I'm like, yeah, I really want a Muppet head at some point. <laughs> Mike loves the Muppets just like I do. So he's like, well, what do you want to get? I said, Honestly, I kind of like Waldorf or Stabler. And he goes, what'd you say, Mike? Does this do it? Yeah. Basically, let's do it. So I, I got a Waldorf head, Mike got a Stabler head, and we run around in our Tuscans with our Muppet heads on, and we have a blast. But I, had to, I had to buy my Tuscan too, because I'm like, dang, I don't make things. Well, when, when you got it, the bucket itself was a little weak and didn't fit. Yeah, but I had to do that. You guys did that. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. at that point, Dawn and I had some skills. So we bought some material. We cut the bucket in half and built it up bigger. So those were things that we knew how to do because we were in the club. And we had resources that we didn't have before we were members. And honestly, my wife got into this before I did, which I'm the bigger Star Wars fan, but, you know... One of the things I love about our community is we're inclusive. Mm -hmm. So, I've said this before. If I was going to be somebody, I'd be a stormtrooper. I think stormtroopers are awesome looking. I, easily the one thing I would want to be. But I'm a fat guy. I'm not going to be a stormtrooper. Okay? It just doesn't look right. Like, I could probably be a snowy. I could pull that off. But a stormtrooper is never going to happen. And I've had people go, oh, yeah, you could do it. No. It just doesn't look right. You're too short, fat to be a stormtrooper. I, I might not be too short, but I'm definitely too fat. So, I mean, you know, when you look at it, yeah, I could absolutely be one. Nobody in the club would say anything bad about it. You know, but there are toxic people out there that would make comments. I don't really care about their comments, but at the same time, to me, I want it to look like it could actually exist in that universe. You can look the part, and people are still going to make comments. I still hear people like... Terry Cowan getting the arms too, too small to look short be a stormtrooper just because they think it's a funny joke. Yeah, yeah they, they, they latch on to that yeah, one yeah. thing. Yeah. Which you, you get that with everything nowadays. You know, I have a friend named Felicia. <laughs> and she could buy Felicia all the time. They just think it's the funniest thing in the world. Karen, oh my, I would not want to be Karen. So, you Karen into Darren now? So, I mean, you know, you get that toxicity everywhere. Um, looks like only Christy's still on with us, so other people don't want to hear about costuming, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, we, we got skills, and, and Jim honestly has way more skills than Mike or I, because he makes droids and... I'm just not afraid to try things at all. Definitely not. I mean, you made a full-size C-3PO. Yeah. And you made the DO based on some concept I already had yeah. seen prior to when it did be out there about Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that was a leaked concept art, so the proportions were, were a little bit off, but um, in fact, I designed it in hopes that we would get some sense for how big it was. It's just a standalone, um, you know, droid. I was assuming it was going to be roughly, you know, being the shape that it is, it deals with roughly the size of a unit, like a unicycle. And then about three weeks before celebration in Chicago a few years ago, um, a a, a poster, a leaked poster came out. Right? It may have actually been an official release. And we saw it next to DO, so we had a, a reference for size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, BB-8, yeah. So DO and a reference to BB-8. And uh, so we knew the size. And fortunately, at the time, I had a, um, uh, <laughs> a 
a 3D printer, printer that was the right size to print both of the parts and co uh, contract with some other members um, to do the, the wheel and got it printed. And to Kurt Andrew, or Kurt uh, Zimmerman, uh, droid builder extraordinaire from the Flint, air, Flint Michigan area, and uh, we're able to. He was able to get it painted and weathered and displayed. Literally, the paint was drying on the way to Chicago. That's how we pulled that one off. But that was, was a huge attraction. <laughs> it turned out to be. I, I hear, yeah. A lot, of the, a lot of folks stopped by after the because uh, celebration was. Um, for, if you don't remember, was when. Uh, uh, that was when Dio sort of introduced the world officially. That he was part of the of the trailer that they that they dropped, as well as they brought out their um, their uh, the model. The uh, I guess uh, I'm not sure if it was a, a screen news version or not, but they brought out a working version of that on, on stage. And uh, so yeah, that was kind of a, a good coup that we had. Um, Kurt Zimmerman having been the first person to build a fan built. Um, BB-8 that was displayed um, at Celebration after the, or around the time of the Force Awakens, I think before Force Awakens. So a uh, couple of uh, uh, good wins for him there. But um, yeah, so so you know, I guess my, my history a little bit is you know I, I took shot class when I was a kid. And I've always been kind of mechanically inclined and studied um, architectural uh, design a little bit as well as mechanical design and, and drawing and stuff like that. And a few years back, um, after joining the, the Legion, I was working on a costume. Decided that it was going to be less expensive and probably more satisfying to buy a 3D printer um, to print some parts for a costume than it was going to be to actually buy the parts themselves, you know, from another vendor. And uh, so I did, and, and that kind of you know led me in a different direction. So I've gotten into, in addition to the costuming itself, kind of got into the you know prop building and stuff like that. And I still I do leather work and I other things as well, you know, just as a hobby and things I've done most of my life. So it's been, you know, I guess sort of my the skills I've acquired throughout my life has sort of, you know, led me to where we're at now. And uh, it's been a learning curve, but I'm generally happy to help folks and, you know, with their costumes and props and things like that as, as needed. And uh, but a lot of the weathering for me. Yeah, and weathering, weathering's just fun, right? Because um, my skill is, is such that I'm not, you know, if I'm going to build a dress, I'm going to be pristine, right? And it's partly because I just don't have the... The patience and time uh, as a busy professional to uh, to spend getting things down to like what you would call showroom quality, right? To, to look like a, you've got a dread that's just rolled off the manufacturing floor, but that's not the Star Wars world as we're discussing anyway, right? So typically, people people spend a lot of time actually on their um, building props, getting them to look pristine, just to weather them. Well, I, I, I tend to like take that. I don't. So I don't worry about it being pristine, right? In fact, if you look at a lot of the the actual props, photos of props and stuff like that from set photos and movies and stuff, you'll see a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, paint drips on C-3PO and stuff like that. So, um, so I just, I kind of take a middle of the road knowing that the imperfections are going to make it look more perfect from a sort of a final product standpoint as well. So yeah, all of that's fun for me. And those are all skills that I've either refined or picked up since since getting involved, you know, a few years ago with the, with the Hey, Final first. And Jack Razor has joined us. Jack Razor has joined us finally. <laughs> woke up. How's it going? Well, just so you know, we have cameras. Just so you know, Nate, the name of the podcast is the Jack Razor Crest <laughs> Star Wars okay, podcast. Jim came up with that. Um, so, for those of you that are with us, uh, we have now been joined by Nate Bear, who woke up finally and, and came in. I, I was up, I just... Forgot about us? Um, I don't know, I, I, I'm all 
I said I like drinking sauce. We had that feeling. Um, we're we're going to shoot for like once a month on Friday nights. <laughs> that way Matt can join, Craig can join if he wants to, and you don't have to worry about waking up. Oh, okay, yeah. No, yeah, I, I wake up at like a quarter to five on the weekdays, but on the weekend, man, I'm like out all for a while. So we, we already covered toxic fan base. He just walked in. How'd you cover me already? Well, true story. Um, you kind of give your Star Wars background, and then we're just talking about costuming at this point. Because we no. figure people don't talk about costuming enough. No, not really. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, my mom was one of the original Saw It in the Theaters people. Yep. And uh, so when they did the special edition, she dragged me to it. And that was pretty much it, man. That was, I had the books and the toys and the... Everything after that, so it sold me. New Hope, even with all the crappy uh, stuff they added to it, <laughs> even with that terrible CG job scene. That's what we were talking about earlier. Um, oh, it looks like our, our so we had a little bit of feedback there for some reason, echoey on Twitch, and it sounds like it might have gotten better because prestigious message that it got better. Uh, I don't know why Twitch does that. Every once in a while, it will get very echoey, so. When, when this, this gets, gets uploaded, uploaded, it'll get uploaded a little differently. I'm, I'm doing a recorder, and we'll upload this as, you know, no echo. Um, anyways, so, Nate, uh, you're in the 501st. What are you? Uh, I'm a stormtrooper. Okay, and how did that come about? Uh, like, what do you mean? Like, how did you decide on a stormtrooper? How did you get that done? I've just always really loved stormtroopers. And then I think it was... Uh, I just kept on like, yeah, it'd be really cool to dress up in one of those one time. And then I think it was uh, like an event at like Toys R Us or some shit for one of the sequels. And there were people there. I was like, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah, I figured you were there. <laughs> Don and I were there. Uh, Zach, Zach, Jim, uh, Veronica, Jenna, Jenna. Um, yeah, Scott and Jenny. Yep. Yeah, and Scott was there. And Steve was there, but he wasn't dressed up. Oh, okay. He was in line. That was coincidentally one of the only um, events that I've ever been to as Dark Niles where people were recognized and were excited to see the character. Oh, sweet. Yeah. It was part of the Tulip City Comic Con, and it was, you went in it, and it was um, Carl Harley in it. Yeah, we did the mirror age thing. Two Nihiluses are better than one. <laughs> Yeah, that's just always work. Like I said, with the group things, you know, you've got to go with things like stormtroopers. Yeah. More than one stormtroopers did because there's always more than one stormtrooper. Tuscans are always, you know, traveling in a single file, hide their numbers, you know, jobless go together, you know. Well, as, as far as the groups go, that's a good point. When we sign up for events, if you are a major character, you're not allowed to have more than one major character of that kind at an event. So Darth Vader signed up, and Darth Vader number two wants to come, you better have, he or she better have a different outfit because you're not using two Vaders. Yeah. I mean, they've done, I think some of, some of the bigger ones, because I seem to remember with the one Tigers game, you actually costumed that. They had a couple, but they put them on yeah. separate ends of the same. The rule for that is that you can't be in the same line as Yes. Yeah. yeah. So a person can't stay on one spot and see both characters. Yeah. 
So I always do a lot of people coming in from different vantage points of the field to be able to get the same experience. There are certain ways we can get around that, but for the most part, and like, you know, uh, Joliet Star Wars Day, Mm -hmm. they'll have six or seven Darth Vader's because it's a public library event, and we get... I don't know, a couple hundred, hundred costumers, I'd say, Jimmy, what was the last one? 380 last time. Okay, so 380 costumers. Nate, you went to that one too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. it was pretty fun. We had, we had a lot of fun with that. You see a lot of stuff, you don't always see that. At Joliet, this is the first time I ever saw Bosk, mm-hmm. favorite bounty hunter. Um, and I saw a Gamorrean guard steal a baby, which was just <laughs> awesome. The, it was a double, one of those double-seated strollers. Yeah. And there was a baby in back and a kid in front. And when the Gamorrean guard started wheeling it, the kid in front jumped out and ran to his parents. And the parents paid no attention whatsoever. He was walking away with the baby. And he stopped and he backed up in front of them and started walking away again. And they still weren't paying attention. He did it three times. Wow. Stuff you don't expect to see. Gamorrean stealing babies. Yeah, some of these events are just you know, amazing. And... The reason I got into doing the costume in the first place was I was at a, um, my, my daughter was really into the Ray character after the first Awakening. She was about 11 or 12 years old when, uh, when that movie came out. And she, you know, we put together a costume for her and went to a con. And that's when I met 501st and Rebel Legion people for the first time and learned that, um, you know, the, the, about hospital visits and stuff like that, and that's what I decided that's what I wanted to do. But one of the stories that really kind of uh, clinched it for me was hearing that there's an event that used to be done, I guess, every year in West Michigan. Obviously, with the pandemic, things have changed, but um, it, had, it was a, a sporting event sponsored by the Lions Club, and so the the you know the children are not able to to you know have some sort of visual challenge. With the visual impairment, yeah. visual impairment, yeah. And that, that that event enables these kids who are Star Wars fans to actually see their characters. Yeah. And that, to me, was that that's what clinched it for me in terms of you know why. And that's why I do. There's there are no other there at least at the time, uh, no other hot solos in the in the Michigan group. So that's why I decided um, pretty quickly after joining the Five O First as a as Darth Nihilus and Admiral Oswald that I was going to, uh, you know, be Han Solo, right? Because we had some Lukes, we had Leia's, um, but that was, uh, that's why I decided to, to become Han Solo. Yeah, when that, in the officially impaired sports day in, like, 2019, I still think that was one of my favorite troops because you're just going there and, like, you know, the visually impaired kids, you know, leaning down and letting them exactly. touch the buckets and stuff like that to feel kind of what you look like. Yeah. And, yeah, that, I did that event first in 2017, and that was one of the most rewarding events I went to. They were just so excited to touch you, and even though they couldn't see pictures, they wanted pictures, and they wanted to hold your weapons. I mean, I, I had my gaffy stick over many times. Um, and so between that and the uh, hospital visits... Excuse me! And make a wish. And make a wish. So, yeah. So we, I've done two polar plunges, mm-hmm. and the second one, Han Solo got frozen in carbonite. Han Solo did get frozen in carbonite, and he still has the t-shirt to prove it. <laughs> um, and I like how at the when you were being asked questions at the end, they're like, "What's your name?" And you're like, "Han Solo." Yeah. Like, What's your name? You're like, "Han Solo." <laughs> yeah, and I think they find someone finally did give them my name uh, because. They, that, that was, uh, I think, the sort of front page of the M Life article. A story about that was uh, was a picture of me. 
So, so Christy, who, uh, <laughs> Christy, who's listening, um, so... I did what I mean, what, ran into a table, is that me? No, she oh, ran me into a table. Oh, yeah, right. right. She, she, she runs me into things all the time. <laughs> Christy had never seen Star Wars, and I kind of uh, drug her to a couple events, one of them being the first polar plunge I did, which is where I met Matt, Will, and Dirk for the first time, and... Anytime I troop with those three, I'm, I'm thrilled because, you know, that, it was, you know, the first time meeting them, first of all, and it wasn't my first troop, but it was like my sixth or so troop, so I was still very early on, and they were very early on, and uh, Christy still hadn't seen one movie, so now she's seen them all, and she's totally hooked, and it's funny because I've gotten her into sewing for us so she does some of our sewing i wish she'd sew a little more and a little faster and did um she's got a bucket for boosh uh we're we're trying to source some of the other stuff like the leather pants are going to be difficult so we're trying to figure out how to source the leather pants um uh, yes that was definitely christy in my first troop without dawn it wasn't my first troop without dawn because i did one with terry and scott at Herrick Library in Holland, but yeah, it, you know, we, we tend to bring people in. Mike was not a part of the group, and he NCS for us. NCS is non-costume uh, support. He NCS for us several times. Um, the first time I was sexually assaulted, and he did nothing. Uh, okay, well, they're behind you, but it's hard to see. <laughs> My daughter saw it and yelled at the lady. Um, that's a thing, too. I, I know I've been sexually assaulted. Jim has. Nate. People grab your ass and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mike, have you yet? Not that I've ever felt. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> you know it's funny because Dawn, when she's in muff tag, gets sexually assaulted yeah. all the time, but yeah. she can't feel anything, people, so she doesn't care. People are into the furries, I guess. I, th- I guess they are, and you know what I know? Jawas are furry. Jawas are. <laughs> Spoiler alert: Jawas are furry. They don't need to know what that's from. <laughs> we, you, you have you seen this episode time. of Bubba? No, I've only seen a couple okay. first couple episodes. Right. You can spoil. I don't care. <sighs> Jawas are furry. Oh, well, does it show a job? No, we don't necessarily see a job. No, you don't necessarily see it. You just hear it over and over. I, st- I stopped caring about Star Wars spoilers a while ago. Okay, it's because it's the dumbest shit happens in these <laughs> shows. I don't care anymore. <laughs> it's like whatever, dude. Not that I don't like them. It's, it's, they're just so dumb. Uh, whatever. Ooh, 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 Ahsoka showed up. Of course she did. They can't help it. <laughs> whatever. See, they, they make those things for people like me. When Ahsoka shows up, I'm thrilled. Yeah, when I see a character from something else show up, I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, Nate's sitting there going, Fuck, can't we just get somebody new? Can't we get some new shit? <laughs> Everybody knows each other. It's like a galaxy of like 20 people. <laughs> I do have the theory of why... Baby Yoda's name is what it is. Okay, what's your theory? In that species, whatever species it is, that's their word for George. George. I want to love him and hug him and squeeze him and call him George. <laughs> well, and everybody does want to hug him and squeeze him because he's so damn cute. That's where it comes from. Uh, that's why he's Grogu. You could be right. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to trying to get into this club, uh, one of the first things we tell you to do is get on the boards. There's message boards out there go to 501st.com or go to your local group uh for michigan it's the great lakes garrison um indiana has a couple they have northern darkness and bloodfin 
the original uh, Midwestern group is actually the Midwest Garrison. They now only incorporate it's Illinois. Illinois right? yeah. uh, I believe the Wisconsin Garrison is just the Wisconsin Garrison. And Ohio is just the Ohio Garrison. Indiana has, like, the coolest name. Yeah, they, do. they do. Well, and we've talked before about we want to make the west side of Michigan a squad because we have, you know, so many dedicated troopers over here. Mm-hmm. And when we've talked about it, we, we keep going, we got to come up with a really cool name. Because if you're going to do it, there's no point doing a squad without a really cool name. Not that we necessarily want to break away from the Great Lakes Garrison, but we kind of just want, you know, like the West Squad or something. And mm-hmm. Jim came up with some names for a while there. He's good with names. I mean, hell, he named this. I did. About two minutes before we got started. <laughs> so, now that Nate, a.k.a. Jack Razor, has joined us, uh, what do you want to talk about? Oh, I don't care. I thought I thought David was the uh, ringleader here, okay. and now he's walking What's away. your idea? <laughs> yeah, I guess... <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's react to what a friend of mine wrote on Facebook. So, um, this is how to write a Star Wars script in 2022. Uh-oh. <laughs> Opening, Hoth Rebel Base. The two women smoking a hookah from the original cantina and Jan Tosh from the Birds cartoon are betting with Watto's dice. Jan, I win. Now I can book that flight on the Star Tour ship to visit my mom. She's also the cooking show host from the holiday special. <laughs> Come on, Jackson, the giant green bunny from the comic books. You're with me. Enter a bunk droid. Bonk. Jan, you're right, Bonk. I can't forget the money I owe to the women who wrote the fish opera that Emperor Palpatine watched. Enter two-headed alien voice by Greg Probst. You're, you human beings are out of your minds. Bonk droid. Bonk. Jan, yeah, go back to the Force Moon of Endor with your BB-8 style droid. Hey, remember that guy with the ice cream machine on Cloud City? He's my cousin. Everyone in unison. Rogue One. Producer notes. Not enough callbacks to earlier Star Wars entries. Make it more derivative. <laughs> The only inaccurate part of that was that it was on Hoth and not Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> well, because now everything is on Tatooine. Right? Why? Because it's, it's got two suns. And it might be the it might be the heart of the of the uh, galaxy now. All right, I'm going to ask this question. So, if there's a bright center to the universe, you're on the planet that it's farthest from. It's got two suns. But how the hell would it be hot there? <laughs> Wouldn't it be cold right. or colder? Yeah. Like Hoth. Right. I don't know. That's just my two cents on. I'm sure there's something. Continuity yeah. that doesn't work with Star Wars. Maybe which there's a ton of. Maybe they'll someday go into the past of how, you know, the seas turned in dust. We almost heard that, I think. <laughs> well, it's funny because, I mean, you can sit there as a Star Wars fan, and every time they come out with something new, you can go, well, I don't make any sense on this one anymore. Like Obi Wan Kenobi not knowing the droids. Right. Yeah. It's not like he got his memory wiped. Yeah. I don't seem to remember owning any droids. Bitch, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. R2-D2. I never heard of it. Yeah. Not knowing, not saying anything about uh, Luke and Leia being brother and sister. Yeah. Which he obviously knew. A bit of an oversight. From a certain point of view. I still like yeah. the be where it's like... Did you know she was my sister? Yeah. When I kissed her, and then it's got the Leonardo DiCaprio from uh, Chasing, whatever, not Chasing, uh, Django Unchained, yeah. yeah. That's my favorite DiCaprio. Oh, yes. Yeah. He works for everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what costuming questions have you guys heard the most at, you know, cons or well, whatever? The, can, can you buy these? Yep. Right? Or where do you buy these? Yes. Right? And, can um, you make me one? Yep. 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 Which, case in point, no. 
But how did you first really get introduced to a bunch of members? Uh, well, the first thing I did was, like you said, I went on the boards and started just, I mean, you just got to tackle it head first and mm -hmm. start introducing yourself and talking to people. And, all right, well, who's, who's got the pieces they need to make this thing? And yep. where can I go? And people will help out, you know? So I know what you're getting into, probably. Uh, I know what he is. Yeah, he I does, too. He's getting to. You can tell the story. No, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. It's your story. <laughs> I'm not. I, I don't care about the beer. This is not the beer oh, podcast. Okay. That's what I thought. Did you, you guys talk? To, did, did you guys talk about the beer? We, we absolutely did. <laughs> that's <laughs> honestly what that's led just, us. That's what led us into this because Nate goes. That's a podcast we need to do a Star Wars podcast. Yeah. I'm down with that. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I thought. I did like that story. He's like, you brought the IPA, and yeah, like, I don't drink this shit, but everybody seems to like it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like it. But, uh, yeah, no, just, I don't know, just doing that and tons of research, and it's scary, you know, when I was looking at this stuff, and I'm like, man, I, I can't do that. You yeah. Know, how the hell am I going to build this thing out of, it's literally scraps of plastic, mm -hmm. like injection molder or whatever, vacuum-formed plastic. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna suck. But I don't know things like that. They've got the companies you can buy them from. They do those, but you, you know. can buy the kits, yeah, the or kits. pieces, or yeah. pieces. Well, yeah. Yes, yeah. But yeah, as a, a lot of people will go, well, I can't just buy an armor. Oh, here's here's my favorite question. I'm like, mm -hmm. uh, does anybody have a suit that I can borrow? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For an event. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works. First of all, you're not going to wear my, my fucking armor. <laughs> Second yeah. of all, it's not going to fit because it's, right. it's conformed to your body, right. which is the whole point. It has to look good on your body in order to look good for the Legion, you know. Well, most of our first experience <clears throat> with Nate is I was hosting an armor party at my house because... We, we like to have armor parties, but nobody will host them. So I'm like, screw it. Everybody can come over here. I don't give a shit. So we had a bunch of people come, and Nate came walking up the driveway, didn't know anybody. And I thought that took balls because I don't do that. <laughs> and brought his stuff, and he's like, I don't know what the hell to do with this. I know Jim and Wendy, and I still feel like weird every time you guys are like, come join us at Jim and Wendy's. Always welcome. Everybody's always welcome. Yeah, so Nate brought his stuff, and people just started grabbing shit and helping him, showing him what to do. Yeah, I mean, that's, mm -hmm. you gotta, like I said, you gotta just, like, you can't be shy about it, you can't be scared about it, you mm -hmm. just tackle it and yep. just start working on it. And so, yeah, just watching videos and... Now I've gotta get back on the, though the last time I was on the Rebel Legion website, they only had the CRL for um, the old Luke from... The Force Awakens. I didn't have one from uh, Last Jedi. Last Jedi. Yeah, because you want to work on old Luke. I, I think I'm commissioning Ray Ray to make Bale. There are. Oh, you're going to get it a lot faster for Ray Ray than you are for Christy. Sorry, oh. Christy. Christy wasn't doing Bale. She's oh. supposed to be doing Leia. Well, yeah. And I might have to commission Ray for that too. <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm going to be Leia. I mean, I could, <laughs> but I'm not. There are a number of uh, communities. But Forrest Endor Leia, not you yes. know, Hoth Leia, the Leia yeah. that he's in love with. Yeah, because I don't want my daughter to be the one I really like. I, um, there are a number of like Facebook groups and things like that mm -hmm. that are specific to individual costumes as yes. well that are very, very that can be very helpful. Um, so you know, if, if there's anybody that's thinking about that, uh, if there's anybody that's thinking about that, um, we can uh, you know, we or you you can easily find um, support out there. But yeah, I, I just. Echo what Nate says. You know, you just got to take the first step, and then the next step, and then the next yeah. step, and 
And then when you get stuck, you, uh, you ask for help. And I love that Christy chimes in the chat saying true story. <laughs> yeah. um, we know. <laughs> At some point, she'll, she'll start sewing again. Because uh, <clears throat> I need a new dress. Um, yeah, so mostly the members we have are really nice, really accepting. They're more than willing to help you out. I, you know, we did a, I think the last armor party we did was at Craig's shop. Mm -hmm. And we did have a person come there, drop his stuff, and say, "Isn't somebody going to do this for me?" Yeah. <laughs> That's not the way to go about somebody this. Yeah. No, you're responsible for your own costumes. If you don't have the skills, you can get help. Yes. Um, yeah, I didn't and, really want to hang out because yeah. I mean, I know Christy sewed a little bit of some additional stuff that I needed. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, I really didn't have anything to build. No, so right. I just wanted to hang out with people. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a lot of it, too. I mean, mm -hmm. we do genuinely like each other. I mean, we all have something in common. We love Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But we do like hanging out with each other, you know. I, we've gone out to get drinks. We usually go out after a big event. I mean, I know we have Griffins coming up in, like, five weeks or something here, which I've said I'm going to, but I'm still not really sure. <laughs> uh, but I know you we always have to NCS because you may not last in costume very long. Yeah, I, I, again, I... So anybody that doesn't know, you know, I, I was pretty sick last year and I can only do about 45 minutes right now in my Tuscan without getting overwhelmed and having to get out, which is annoying. And one of the reasons I want something that doesn't have a bucket on it, uh, you know, it's, that's one of the other things. So Nate with his stormtrooper and us with our Tuscans, we can't see anything like Nate can see straight ahead. But he can't see below his nose. Mike and I can't see literally anything. We can see what is exactly right in front of us if you held up a paper roll towel tube. That's it. There's a, like mine is a little bit more periphery just because it has other little spots and uh, you know like yep. And I mean, I, I do have a few holes here and there, but really, you're not seeing no. much of anything. No, when we walk around, we need people, like, clearing our traffic for yes. us. Yes, which is why we need NCS, because otherwise, you just have to walk really, really slow. Because if you walk fast, you're going to fall down, or you're going to run over somebody, or, you know, it, it's just so hard. It's one of the reasons that why when people decide to grab us, we don't... We don't see it coming, we don't know it's happening, and there's not much we can do about it when it does happen. So, like, I know Craig, has, when he's been in his Stormtrooper, has actually had somebody reach in the front, inside of his cod piece, and, and grab, grab a handful. Junk. Grab the junk. Yeah. Which, I don't know why people are so emboldened to do this with, you know, people that cosplay, or us that are in, in the 501st and Rebel Legion, but they just feel like... We're not real people, yeah, I, I th guess. I think it, they, they regard us essentially as like, um, like living dolls. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, like full size action figures or something. We're, we're like toys to them. Well, I know the first time Jenna wore her Princess Leia because she has what the ceremonial Princess Leia from A New Hope. There was a guy that went up to her and, and said something to the effect of, "You've always been my biggest fantasy since I was like thirteen or something." Yeah. And you know, okay. Princess Leia is your fantasy. Right. This is a person who doesn't know you, has never met you, and is like 20 or 30 years younger than you. That's gross. Keep that opinion to yourself. Exactly. 
you know, which is the same thing as don't touch anything that you're not supposed to touch. You want to put your arm around me, that's fine. You want to grab a handful of my rear end, please don't. Yep. Yeah, I was I was actually surprised that, you know, I figured it's probably p- people would have more of a of a thing for, you know, face characters like that, like Leia or Han or Luke or whatever. Um, but the first time I was anybody ever grabbed uh, a handful of my rear end was I was dressed as an Imperial officer. And I think the woman, she just flat out said to me that she loves men in uniforms. Didn't matter what it was. Could have been anything. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. I, I remember the first time I experienced it, it was actually at the Whitecaps game. So I was NCSing at the Whitecaps game. This was a couple of months before I joined. And Chewbacca and Boba Fett were out in the crowd. Chewbacca being John Henry mm-hmm. and Boba Fett being his wife, Charlotte. And they got separated, which is no big deal, because, you know, people go their own way and stuff. But nobody um, really was NCSing for Boba. And she got irritated and done, and she basically came into the changing room and said, I'm not fucking going out there again. All they're doing is grabbing my ass. And it wasn't guys. It was women grabbing Boba's ass because they thought... Oh, this is a dude, and I'm going right, to you know, exactly. grab a handful, but yep. they're not. They're grabbing a, a female's rear end and sexually assaulting her, which yep. is annoying as hell. And Christy brings up a good point. Jenna is not Leia very much anymore after right. that interaction. Right. Yeah. In fact, she only does it in certain circumstances um, she, when she's know the, knows that she's going to have the right support, right? And, and in fact, one of the reasons that I just, you know, from the beginning, I, I, I first was Darth Nihilus, but then really wanted to become a, a face character, which is what we basically call anybody that doesn't have a bucket on, um, was because I could sort of be costume support for other people. Um, it was at a time when we were doing a lot of events. There were a lot of people at these events. And, um, you know, with all the and summer sporting events and stuff like that, it was, you know, because I, I had joined in the spring, mm-hmm. and um, it was going to become, you know, easier for us to have people, more face characters around to support the other characters who didn't, you know, who, who wear the helmets and things like that, um, because it was just it was so prevalent. It, it, that was one of the things that really surprised me about, you know, when I first joined the organization. It's just the number of people, and, and it happens a lot at sporting events where people have been drinking and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but at any event, it's possible. Um, even uh, we did a, an event at the at a zoo one time, um, you know, family friendly event stuff like that, and you know, people it's happening left and right. Well, I remember I had a goal to get two one hundred events done by the end of twenty eighteen. So I, I picked up an event being the Salvation Army, which I don't typically support because I don't typically support religions. But I'm like, all right, this will get me to a hundred, so I'll go do this. And I remember. Jim, Jenna, Lawrence, and Chewbacca, and Dirk were there, and Jenna wore Leia, mm-hmm. but she made sure she was always positioned next to you. Uh-huh. Or Chewie. Or Chewie, yeah. and you yeah. you actually yeah. had to yank a guy I away did. from yep. her, because, yep. can you tell that story a little bit? Well, yeah, I mean, and this has happened on more than one occasion, but there, there have been events, and, and, and this one in particular, where there are people who, again... You know, they, they see they see this costume and they or a person in this costume. They immediately think of the character and, and their you know their expectations. Getting back to what we were talking about earlier, and yeah, that's one of the reasons why it's you know I think it's it's good to have not I mean non costume support is essential for what we do for the experience of the people that interact with us and stuff like that. 
Um, but it's also good to just sort of have that extra support of somebody, you know, um, that's right there next to you all the time to, to, to keep that sort of thing at bay. And, and, that, and it happens with alarming frequency, even to the point where we were at an event. I think it was the same situation. I can't remember um, if Leia was there or not, but it was, you know, I was Han Solo. We had um, Lawrence's Chewbacca. And the some people who are essentially sponsoring the event asked us to come by um, to see them specifically. It was a sporting event, and they were the, the owners of the team, and started those the, the people that they were with in their in their booth or their suite or whatever started to get handsy with us. Mm -hmm. And and um, so it's good to just have that extra. You know, if you're uh, if you're a cost if you're a character who has limited visibility and that sort of thing, or is a vulnerable. In the sense that you you know you're going to be a target, like a Leia, or especially some of the female, or even some of the other male characters. I think it's just good to have that you know extra layer of somebody watching out for you, and that's why I I, I almost exclusively do Han Solo now, um, you know, no, no matter the situation, because that's you know I, I, there's at least one at least one person then we know um, at the event um, that's not that doesn't have a bucket on that can see what's going on and give that little extra perspective and. And you know, added layer, and it's it's just disappointing to me that we have to talk about this at all. Mm -hmm. um, but I, from my perspective, the the you know the, the what I get out of these the, these interactions with fans, you know, um, and the and the experiences and the events far outweighs these un, unpleasant things that happen. But um, yeah, and and it's you know, and, and it's good that we get the support that we need for having these folks removed from the situation. Yeah, um, I've, I've never had an issue where. Um, we've had a, a you know a problem with someone doing something like that and and you know um, having them removed and either from the event itself or at least away from the character so um, that, that's good and, and so it's never really gotten to a point where it's gotten out of hand I know there have been some situations um, like the one that Don experienced a non Star Wars costume character but at an event where there was a, an actual like sexual assault happening yeah, so I can tell that story. Uh, so we went to Wizard World. This would have been probably 2016-ish. and Yeah, I think it was 2016. And 17. It was 2017. It doesn't it was matter. a week before I went to Chicago and had a similar, it was. <laughs> had a similar interaction. So yeah, I think it was 2017. So Dawn's wandering around in her biker scout at the con. No big deal. Um... And she sees this, these three young ladies that are basically yelling at a guy. So what this guy had done is one of the girls is wearing a Robin costume and she has a very short skirt on. So he took his phone and shoved it basically under her legs and was taking video of her. Upskirt photos. Yes. Or videos, yeah. And she got mad and started, you know, ranting and raving, which is logical that that would happen. So... Of course, my wife saw it, and because she's my wife and strong, she basically went and shoved the guy and started screaming at him. And she it, responded appropriately. Yes, it it ended up being a huge deal, and the police didn't really want to do anything about it, but she was forceful enough that they they did. Um, and you know, she she helped these three young ladies out, and they did eventually take that guy to court, and you know, he got sentenced probably to something very very minor because that's what they do with sexual assault but you know again it's another example of how if you're in a costume people don't necessarily think you're you're 
human. They just want to do what they want to do, which is ridiculous. And, you know, but it's even outside of it. I mean, you get it where you go to like a sporting event, not even in costume, a woman wears like a skin tight shirt and short shorts and they think she's there for their pleasure. Correct. Yeah, objectification just in yeah. general, but uh, you get it in the Wrigley Field bleachers all the time because <laughs> girls are out there in their bikini tops, mm-hmm. and then every drunk idiot around her is acting like an idiot. Yeah, Which, well, we, we, we would enjoy them from a distance. We would never yes. act like an idiot. In no, of them. we'd be like, "Oh, look, she's cute," but that would be the extent of our idiocy. Yeah. Um, but I'm reminded by the comment here in the in the chat of the other sort of uh, hazard that we face, which is people trying to steal our props. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very popular, the thermal detonators on the stormtroopers because they're in the back and they, you can't really see them. Um, I've had people actually, um, especially when I'm wearing my Force Awakens hunting costume because there's no strap to hold the blaster in, people try to steal my blaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and people have actually stolen pieces off of it. I've had to replace bits, bits, and and not just from my blaster, but from my belt as well. You're at like you know, cons and stuff in the booth, and people yep. are just putting out things. You've got to like have people there, yeah, otherwise, exactly. yeah, somebody could walk off with a blaster or a bucket or. And I understand that, right? That's like a tangible thing, but um, I don't understand why people ever want to steal just bits. It's yeah. I think they essentially try to just do it for the thrill of it. It's usually oh, kids. Yeah. Or whatever, but that's something again that where non-costume support folks are just essential for us to, you know, just to maintain the experience and to, and keep our costumes in good working order. Well, Christy's a good example of non-costume mm-hmm. support, right. support awesome. because when she's not serving that capacity, she's very you know quiet and nice and not very forceful. And you know, her and I work together, so if something you know, if somebody has to deliver bad news or have a hard conversation, I'm the one that does that. <laughs> somebody needs to be nice. It's Christy. When she's NCSing, she's not nice. <laughs> if, if you get out of line, she will put you in your place right away. And, and she brought up one thing on here, you know, taking care of drunk assholes that are trying to spill beer on our costumes. Yeah. Now, if you spill a beer on a Tuscan Raider, it's just more weathering. <laughs> if you spill a beer on a white-gowned Leia, You've ruined it. that's a huge issue. Yeah. That may not come out. That costume's hundreds of dollars. You know, that's the other thing people don't understand is this is a very expensive hobby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you want to make Boba Fett, you're spending three to $4,000. If you want to make Vader, you're spending two to $3,000. Even if you want to do a simple Stormtrooper, you might find the plastic armor for three or 400 bucks, but then you have more things that go into it and it's going to run you $1,000. It's... One of those things that people are like, oh, it's just easy. Yeah. It's I mean, not yeah. easy. I think you and I both, you know, when we bought our Tuscans, basically a thousand, a little over a thousand. Yeah, mm-hmm. is what we spent. Yeah. And, you know, Nate brings up a big point. He has vacuum-formed plastic pieces. Which are several hundred dollars, I would imagine, just for the kit. Yeah. I, um, everything altogether was a little over a grand. Okay. Yeah. So... How sturdy is that plastic, Nate? It usually cracks every time I, I yeah. troop, and I have to I have to patch it and fill yeah. it. So, in other words, it's very fragile. Yeah. Now, I know before I joined the group, I would see stormtroopers, and I'm like, oh my god, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. How how intricate and how cool and how durable? Yeah, none of the stuff we have is durable. Nothing. 
it's funny you mention that because um, if you look at some of the actual costumes that um, or in prop pieces and things like that that have been used in the movies, they're they're. In fact, I, I I'm not going to name names, but at a, I was at a I recently had a conversation with someone who's a member of the 501st, who's also um, has appeared in costume in Star Wars um, media, and he said, "Yeah, these those things are crap. They're not meant to last." And I also have another friend who's a, a professional costumer, a Hollywood um, costumer, and she made a comment to me one time. She said, "What, what you do, are, it, it's amazing." Because and she's dealing mostly with you know, contemporary things, but it's people wearing suits and things like that, and dresses and that kind of thing. So like normal clothes. And she said, "We have multiple versions of those to last an entire season, even if it's only worn in one episode, because." They're not durable. Some of the things that the actors go through, they 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 get ripped. They get you know, craft services, food spilled on them. Mm-hmm. All of that happens, and they just move on to the next version of it. Or sometimes you know, there's different versions of weathering and things like that. She said, but it's unusual for any costume of ours to to last through more than one season. But your the things that you guys do, it's like. You know they have to be maintained. They have to be clean. They have to. That's not something that Hollywood really ever deals with very much. You don't have a multi-million-dollar budget. Exactly. Right. Changing. Yeah. Gear. Yeah. Right. And so, and and then and then you know, th- there's also you know the story that is, is probably well known by now, where um, the in the last two season or the last two episodes of the first season of the Mandalorian, five hundred first members were stormtroopers, and they were called upon because. They were the the producers were essentially in a pickle where they filmed the scene where there were so many stormtroopers um, that they needed on set or on location, and they didn't have enough and they couldn't get more costumes. They they essentially tapped out for costumes, so they called on the five hundred first. And when our guys showed up, I, I say our guys when when our members showed up, because I think almost equal number of, of uh, men and women that came to do that, they. The, they, the producers and, and I think even like John Favreau and Dave Filoni acknowledged that the costumes that our folks wore were so much better because and, and, and you know another reason for that is ours are seen up close and they have to appear screen accurate mm-hmm. you know up up close they, you can't make something that's less detailed push the character off into the background on screen um, get away with things like that get away with wearing white socks on the set of Return of the Jedi which is something that happened during a particular scene because there was a problem with the boots or, or whatever like post-production things yeah. you can do you exactly know, touch up right. things that are out of right the, you know. yeah and ours can't be that way because we're doing personal appearances and stuff like that so in many in many cases our costumes have to be better mm-hmm. um, from a durability and material standpoint than what was actually used on screen and I think people you know just don't they don't realize that that's uh, you know something that it's it's expensive and it's and and not just to build but also to maintain. There's effort to maintain that, like you know, like you're saying, Nate. Right? There's, you know, every every after every event, there's something that has to be fixed. Oh, yeah. Right? And oh, yeah. you know, I, I, I've run into that with my you know my my blaster with my belt. I've had to um, you know polish my boots and things like that. Those are things that the, that you just you know. The, I have to re-glue my little breather thing exactly, like every yeah, other right, troop right. or something because it seems to come loose. Well, and, you know, we a lot of us carry mini kits to repair stuff. Sure. Because you'll go to put something on and you're like, oh, well, crap, this is broken. So you have to do a quick repair if you can just to get <laughs> through that troop and then go home and fix it. So yeah, there's uh, along those lines, I, I forgot until you said that, I kind of forgot about this, but... Um, 
I was called upon during, the, I believe, the last um, Whitecaps game that we were able to do. So it's been in 2019 um, to perform a wedding on the yes. mound before the game started. And so um, as I'm a, a licensed officiant, I was asked to do that in costume as Han Solo. And about five minutes before the wedding was supposed to start, so I met with the, the, the bride and groom in their suite, um, went through all the paperwork and everything, and they were on their way down to the field, and we were getting everybody ready to go out, and and because um, we were you know the uh, sort of lined up both sides of the, to, to make an aisle from home plate up to the mound, and a person, a, a, a woman with her you know young son, asked to do a photo with me quickly, and I, he had something on his wrist. He was dressed in some sort of I think it was actually a superhero costume. It wasn't Star Wars related at all, but he had like a watch on that caught on the seam of my pants and as I stood up it ripped down the inside sort of the inside seam of my pants and I had five minutes later had to be out on the mound at performance ceremony. I ran inside to our costume changing area which is the offices at the White Caps, you know, um, uh, at, the, at the field, T took my took the pants off, took a, a piece of like I don't even remember what it was that I used, I think I ended up using duct tape, tape from the inside, tape that up, it, it was still sort of visible but you know did an emergency repair um, was able to kind of hide it behind the clipboard where I had the vows written, went out, did the ceremony, and everything worked out just fine. But literally five minutes before going out in front of, you know, I think at that point about 3,000 people and to perform this, you know, wedding ceremony for this, this couple that was trusting us to do this, I had a major wardrobe malfunction. And, you know, you just have to improvise. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. You know, I, during the event, before an event, after an event, there's just, yeah, there's a lot of that. And I think people just really don't appreciate um, the effort that goes in sometimes. The people that come up and tug at our costumes or try to steal things or whatever, they just don't understand what, you know. It, it, and and it's, it's also not like we're, you know, being paid by Disney and supplied by Disney to do this. And a lot of people think that's the case too, right? That we're just like the hired help and that's, you know, we do this because we love doing it. Yeah, everything is our money. We, we don't get any... We're not allowed to take any money to do this yeah. because literally Lucasfilm allows us to do what we do because they like the mission of the 501st. We're a charitable organization that, you know, goes and troops charity events. And we do some cool stuff, too. I mean, you know, I at Michigan Comic Con the first year. We did a group picture with Ray Park. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's a fun thing, you know. Uh, they, we, we've gone to the Tigers games and done Star Wars Night at the Tigers games. I know Mike and I really want to go do it at Wrigley Field if the Cubs ever bring it back. Yeah. Um, you know, so there are some really cool things that we do. We've inducted members, yeah. you know, as honorary members. But it's all on us to, to pay for this exactly. stuff. So by no means is this a cheap hobby. You do it because, of A, it's fun. Right. It's fun to be a Star Wars character. B, you want to give back, and C, I, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it brings a smile to our face. Yep. You know, I, I'm thrilled every time, you know, a kid wants to get a picture with me. I mean, that, that's cool to me. I know when I used to attend events before I was a member, I always looked for characters that I really liked, mm -hmm. okay? So... I'd get a picture with a stormtrooper because I love stormtroopers. Uh, Chewbacca, I always wanted a picture with General Grievous. But I always liked, you know, smaller characters that weren't 
in demand, like a Tuscan Raider right, yeah. or a Jawa uh -huh. or Greedo. I got a picture with Greedo once, and I was so thrilled. Greedo has what? A minute and a half of scene time? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, if I didn't live with Muftak, I would <laughs> kill for a picture with Muftak. Mm -hmm. You know, that was one of my favorite pictures the first time I went to Joliet's. I got a picture with Bosk. That was awesome. Yep. So, I mean, you know, you, you look at these things and you're like, hey, you know, that that makes me happy, too. I, sure. I get to have enjoyment as well. It's just expensive enjoyment at that <laughs> point. But, you know, I, I think that's part of the reason why the majority of our group is above 30 years old. Yeah. Because, you know, what 20-year-old has that kind of money? It's, it's cost prohibitive, for sure. So, uh, we've gone about an hour and 20. Mm -hmm. So, I think we'll uh, wrap up in the next few minutes here. Uh what else do we want to touch costuming-wise? Because, again, I, I don't think we talk about this stuff enough. It's, yeah. it's, are there questions that you guys hear besides what we've covered that people should know? I can't think of it. No, I think we've covered most of it. Again, it's, um, you know, yeah, we're responsible um, and for, for them. In some cases, it, you know, if you have the skills, you can make parts of it yourself. Mm -hmm. You can get help from people. and uh, but, but ultimately... You know, if, if if a piece breaks or whatever, um, you you have to you know you have to replace it, and uh, or you know, in some way, whether you whether you do the work yourself or whether you rely on other people, and there are specialized vendors that make certain things or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's so if there's anybody out listening out there that's interested in this sort of thing, even if it's not joining the group but just doing this you know kind of thing for cost you know cosplay or whatever, it's different levels of quality. Um, we tend to rely on sort of the highest level of quality, um, but uh, yeah, it's um, you know you can you can f source parts of different things, and and I would just you know go back to what Nate was saying earlier, and you just have to dive in and take the first step, and then the next step, and the next step, and ask for help when you you know when you need it. Yeah, and you're going to need help. Yep. that's fine. We're we're here to help. You look at like Matt is going to probably join us in the future when we move to a different you know. Different time slot, day and time. Yeah, you know he's making his ATAT -AT driver, and he's yep. basically doing that himself. He's been doing it for three, four years now. Yeah, yeah. It's not a quick fix. Uh, you're not going to join this group in a day. I mean, if you get really lucky, like Mike or I did, and somebody's looking to get rid of their costume and you fit it, great. But you know, and then you've got to make fixes. Yeah, it takes sure. time to get approved. I mean, when. But Forrester was getting approved for his, um, snow, or not, Sandy. Yeah. Prior to the Weird Al Yankovic concert. Mm -hmm. He was basically still doing his approval pictures driving down from the UP. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes that happens. Yep. You know, it's, it's also good to know the judges. <laughs> because they'll, they'll tell you, hey, this has to be fixed. Do this, do this, do yeah. this, and, and you're in. Yeah, and that's an it's interesting that we talk about the costume reference libraries, right? Which is how you know that's the the standards by which um, the, the the costumes are judged. And there's actually a true costume reference library in the, the 500 First Legion, much better at that. They'll they're very specific in terms of sizes for things and proportions and stuff like that. Whereas what they call a costume reference library in the Rebel Legion is, is much less standardized. Um, and you'll you'll see instructions like must match color on screen. Well, you know yeah. that's that's there's a lot there's a lot more open for interpretation. And I and I, and I would say the process of getting approved um, in the Rebel Legion is is both more arbitrary 
um, and more difficult in some cases just because you don't know, you know, what the judge is going to come back with where it's very, very, very standardized and very objective mm -hmm. on the 501st side. Um, yeah, and there are about my Tuscan one, their biggest thing who did it was like my bandolier was too shiny. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I basically took it outside, rubbed it yeah. against a tree, took some sandpaper, uh -huh. yeah. you know, sanded yeah. it down a bit, dirtied it up, and then, you know, sent new pictures. They're like, yep, he's good. Well, even speaking of, you know, the difference between the two clubs, I was approved in the 501st. That's the approval I went for mm -hmm. first. And because there are characters that can walk both sides of the line, Tuscan being one of them, I could apply for Rebel Legion status. I did. They came back and said, it's too clean. You need to dirty it up. And the head of the Great Lakes base in our state is Kevin Johnson. Kevin sent me a message. He goes, I saw the uh, notes. Do you need help with that? I'm like, no, I'm already a 501st member. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, it would have been nice to be in both groups, sure. but I don't care. So I just kind of said, forget it. You know, at some point I might reapply, but I mean, by that time I'll have a new dress and probably a new robe. So, well, and with the Rebel Legion, you might get a different judge who looks at it differently, right? Correct. So, yeah. And I mean, we have different judges now for the Great Lakes Garrison because Carp approved me yep. and then he stopped doing approvals and I went to John and now John doesn't do them anymore and I, I don't really know I can't who, remember who it is does them at this yeah. point but you know we're all willing to help because sure. I know John's the one that judged Mike and he came back and he said yeah you dirty that up and you're good to go yep. so Mike went and dirtied it up we took new pictures sent them to him and he goes yep that looks good we'll go with that but yeah I would certainly say everything's sort of a team effort whether it's a you know, team, a group of people that you're, you're working with or whether you're working with, you know, strangers or whatever, it's, um, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very supportive community because people, you know, even if, and, and again, talking about sort of the toxic fan base, there are a lot of people out there who are very critical of the 501st and Rebel Legion because we do have strict standards and they just don't agree with that. Well, they're, you know, I think what, what those folks want to do is, is, is it's different, right? It, it's more true cosplay. They're not maybe so interested in the, and you know, in, in, in trying to achieve the screen accuracy that, by the way, Lucasfilm and Disney really demand of us in order to do these events. Well, and and, I mean, and I think again, I think a, a good decent number of the people in like the five hundred first or, you know, the Rebel Legion, understanding that they're not for profit mm -hmm. and stuff like that. More for them, it's like I said. I think with a lot of us, our favorite events are the charity events. Absolutely. They're not, you know, we enjoy going to the cons. We enjoy going to the sporting events, but it's. The small things, yep. you know, visually impaired sports day, mm -hmm. the different walks, you know, things of that nature. Yeah, that's that's why hospital I visits. I, I think the only reason I don't like the Helen DeVos hospital business business visit is because it's so hot in there, <laughs> and I'm already cool. so hot yeah, in yeah. my Tuscan. By the time we're on the third or fourth floor, I'm like, all right, I, I, I want out of this. Yeah, you got to be done. And and you're two hours in it when you go, which obviously we haven't been able to do through the throughout the entire pandemic, which sucks. Because again, these kids are in the hospital. You might see them every month for three months. Yep. It's- They look forward to it. Yeah, they look forward to it. They, they're they getting something out of this. And, and there are little moments in those visits that we can sit there and remember. I, I remember I, I couldn't dress once, so I went and I, I NCS'd, even though we don't really use NCS's for hospital visits. And there was this little boy that was literally chasing Jenna as Ray <laughs> down the hall. And she would stop and turn around and he'd stop. Yep. and not go any closer but she'd turn around and start walking and he'd start yeah. just darting after her again 
And I mean, those things, they just stick with you. Well, my favorite hospital story was um, one of my first events, and there was a little girl who um, was able to, you know, come to sort of like open, they opened the door to her room. She was, she had um, some, was being monitored for something, so she had, you know, was, was, was kind of hooked up to a, a monitoring machine by wire, so her range was a little bit limited. So she was able to come to the edge of the room, though, and for some reason we couldn't go into the room. I think it's she required darkness, right? So she came to kind of the doorway in a, in a wheelchair, and we all talked to her individually, and we kind of gathered around her and did pictures, and she was just smiling and laughing. Well, my back, I was facing her the entire time until we did the picture, and I turned around, and her parents were standing, had been standing behind me watching this and taking pictures. They were crying. Even, like, there was a doctor there, he was crying. The, the nurses and other support staff that were on the floor were crying. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then after she went back into her room, I asked her mom, who hugged me, and to th- you know, was thanking me. I said, well, you know, why, why, why the tears? And she said, she's been in the hospital for six weeks. That's the first time she smiled since she's been here. And that, that, to me, makes everything worth it. Isn't that hospital visits, how Don met Ian? Yes. That's what I thought. So Don got very attached to a young boy named Ian who basically lived his entire life. I want to say he passed away at 10 or 11 with cancer. And they were so close that there were days that he would need somebody with him during infusions or chemo treatments up at Helen DeVos. And if his family, you know, had to go to work or something, Don would volunteer to go up there in her biker scout. And he never saw her without her bucket on he did not know what she looked like she would go up in her biker scout and she'd sit there for hours with him and and they'd talk and you know laugh and when he passed away she was absolutely devastated uh christy tells me he passed away at nine so he was it was just before his 10th birthday then and uh you know because he passed away that summer and he his birthday was in october 10-4 i remember his birthday is 10-4 um and even to this day, so like Dawn before that point, uh, we, we have a biker scout in Michigan that is adamant that you have to be dirty. Right. Dirty means, you know, your suit's not pristine white. Stormtroopers have to be pristine white. But biker scouts, you know, they can be dirty. Because they're out know. the field. Yeah, they're, they're out, they're out the there trees. running around, <laughs> running into trees. So Dawn was always white. bears. She, yeah, she always told uh, Todd Lett, she's like, Todd, I, I have no interest in dirtying my suit up. Literally days after Ian passed away, she dirtied everything. Mud on her boots, you know, marred up the, the plastic, dirtied up the flight suit, everything. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? She goes, I, I can't be the same biker scout I was now that Ian's gone because that he held a lot of purpose to me so I have to be different now and Mm -hmm. and she's been dirty ever since and I I can't look at a clean biker scout anymore and I'm the same way as Todd you need to dirty that thing up you look stupid (laughs) you know just kind of have to wear your knee pad upside down yeah (laughs) right (laughs) just to fit into the Mandalorian um don't punch baby Yoda though exactly so I think we had a spirited conversation Uh, Nate will join us for the whole thing next time since, you know, we did name this after him. And it was originally his idea. Uh, well, my idea was a Star Wars podcast, not a 501st podcast. Well, we, we, we covered the Star Wars stuff before you got here, dude. Oh, okay. I mean, we will, we will probably be more, uh, have an actual agenda next time instead of just coming on here and ripping yeah. from, you know, 
the hip. Uh, Mike, you got anything to leave people with? No. Mike has nothing. Nate? Uh, the next one will be better because it'll have more me in it. <laughs> All right. Perfect. It'll probably be on a Friday wait, night because Nate can't wake up. Yes. I'm sad that it won't be on video because yes. it can't be eye candy. True story. <laughs> Jim? I just, again, remind everyone that the views expressed on this podcast are not those of Disney, Lucasfilm, the 501st Legion, or the Rebel Legion. Or any other. Strictly our own. Or any other costuming group out there that we have mentioned, or any other sector of Star Wars. Star Wars affiliated group. Yes, I was hoping you would say that, honestly. (laughs) That's your job from now on. All right. Um, I'm a legal guy. As usual, because I enjoy podcasting, I really enjoyed this. If you have questions, we will add an email in the show notes that you can send us questions to. if this gets you know popular or anything, we'll we'll go social media and stuff. But and you can like, subscribe, share. Yeah, that type of Just stuff. Ring the bell. Nick's favorite terms. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you will be the Nick roll yeah. saying like, subscribe, and share. So, anyways, thanks for joining us, everybody, and uh, we'll we'll do this again in about a month. We'll have a little more notice next time, I think. So may the force be with you. <laughs>